Thank you, Brother Tim. Thank you for being here today. Hope you brought a Bible. And I want you to turn to two places, if you would, this morning. And they're right beside each other. We'll have a lot of verses up for you to look at. First, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And after you locate that, turn to James chapter 1. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that those are right beside each other. So really, you can just turn to Hebrews 11. But uh, Hebrews 11, then we'll look at James chapter 1. I want to start off this morning by asking a question that most of us cannot answer. Some of you can because you have uh, been in this situation with loved ones. But uh, unless you have been had a serious illness, uh, you don't know the answer to this question. But some of you that have been around people do. But I don't think most of you have not considered this. Um, And here's the question. What do people think about as they approach the end of their life? What are the thoughts they have when they come towards the end of their life? There is a... a, uh, a survey that uh, a speaker that traveled all over America took of 50 people that were over 95 years old. And he asked him that question. Now, usually a survey of 50 people is really not a, a good sample, is it? That's not a lot. But of people over 95, that's a pretty good indicator. And he asked them that question, what do you think about uh, in your elderly years, you know, you don't have a whole lot of time left. What, what are you thinking about as you approach the end of your life? And uh, what would you do differently if you had the opportunity to live again? That's the way he framed the question, actually. What would you, diff- what would you do differently if you had the opportunity to live again? That was a little more tasteful, wasn't it? And out of that question, there were three, there were a number of responses, but there were three common themes that came out. And I I won't go through those three themes, but I want to lift one of them and uh, speak to that just a little bit. And here's one of the themes that came out consistently that each of the respondents gave. They said, I would do things, I would do more things that would live on after I'm gone. I would do more things that would live on after I'm gone. Now, I have had the privilege to be in the presence of people that uh, don't have much time. Uh, Sad to say, more than I wish. Uh, Whether it's uh, moments or days or weeks or months. And I pay attention to these people because they have something to say. And I've learned a, a lot of things. And that makes me think. Well, if if they're thinking that, and I, I think that sometimes, well, I, I want to make sure I, I'm living for eternity. I'm living for the purpose that God gave me. I want to live for something that counts. Well, when I get towards really the end of my life, we don't know that we, we're going to live to be 95 years old. We may only live to be 45 years old or 15 years old. So that ought to be at the forefront of our, our mind, shouldn't it? That I want to do things that live on after 
I'm gone. Now I went to a Bible college in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Dr. Robertson, Dr. Lee Robertson founded the college, and he would often preach in chapel, and I'd hear him preach in church. And he had a little uh, four-word statement that he would say on a consistent basis, and it was simply this. He would say, have faith in God. That's from the Bible, isn't it? But the way he said it was was something. He, it just resonated. He'd say, have faith in God. I remember I was at a conference uh, with a friend of mine. He was an evangelist, and he had not heard Dr. Robertson preach very much. And uh, Dr. Robertson, that wasn't his message, have faith in God. But in the message, he just repeated that refrain two times. Um, and I can't say it like he had a dynamic voice, a dynamic register of voice. He said, have faith in God. And it, he said it with such consistency, conviction, and, and, and just, just depth. And, and he said it twice. And after the service was over, uh, my buddy and I, we went out to eat. And he told me, he said, you know, out of all of the sermons I heard tonight, he said it really wasn't a sermon. It was a statement that grabbed me. And I said, what was it? He said it was what Dr. Robertson said in that sermon. He said, when he said, have faith in God. I want you to stop just a minute. Think about the simplicity of that statement. All of them are monosyllables. Have faith in God. What a simple statement. But he said, Rick, that that just grabbed me. He said, in fact, he said it after he said it, uh, my mind just didn't listen to the rest of the sermon. It just arrested me so much I began to think about a sermon that I wanted to preach about it. And later he told me he did preach a sermon about that. Have, have faith in God. And Dr. Robertson lived by that. I was a beneficiary of that faith. It wasn't just something that he said. I went to a college uh, 30 years after he founded the college, he founded it in 1946, 1976, as a freshman at Tennessee Temple University. Actually, when I went, it was Tennessee Temple College. Didn't become a university until 1978. And he went to the church just a couple of years before that at Highland Park Baptist Church. And then founded a radio station, WDYN, which uh, went uh, all over multiple states. You could hear it in Huntsville from Chattanooga. Founded a, a rescue mission. Founded a children's camp. My wife, when she was a little girl, uh, she went to that camp at Camp Joy uh, there that he founded for children. He founded a, a mission agency. Baptist International Missions Incorporated. Most of you know it by its acronym, B-I-M-I. How many of you have ever heard of B-I-M-I? Did you know Dr. Robertson founded that? And uh, God used him. He was a remarkable man and uh, had a remarkable faith. As I thought about that, uh, and that was true, but even more true is, is he had a remarkable God. He, he, like all of us, he was a simple man that had a, sometimes a faltering faith, but he had a great God. 
I, I told you that story to, to go somewhere with it. I was listening to a sermon uh, this week, this past week. I, I love to listen to sermons. I don't go to church uh, very often to hear sermons because I speak a lot. So I listen to sermons so I can get preached at. And I was listening to uh, one of the staff members that was on staff with Dr. Robertson. He's a pastor now. And he told the time when he went to pick Dr. Robertson up, it was about two years before he passed away. Now, I think I'm right on this. I believe Dr. Robertson died when he was 96 or 97 years old. Now, remember what I said just earlier about the man that surveyed 50 people that were over 95? Remember what I just said and what they said? I wish I had done more, you know. And so uh, he arrived at his home and uh, put him in his car. So he's about 94, 95 years old at the time. And uh, they're going somewhere. And he said they began to to just talk about the past. And he said, you know, Dr. Robertson never liked to talk about himself. He never liked to talk about the past. He always wanted to build something. He always wanted to do something. Well, when you're 96, 97, 95, he was two years before, 94, 95 years old, you're, you're not going to build a lot. But he began to talk about things he had done because he had worked with this man. And... Uh, the man that I was listening to in the sermon said this. He said, uh, you know, if I, if I could go back and live my life over, he said, I would have more faith. I would have more faith. And the staff member said, I, I, who's in his 70s now, he said, I, I, I almost began to rebuke him. I would never do that, but almost began to say, well, wait now. What about the college? What about the rescue mission and the radio station and the mission agency? What about these things? He said, and he said he would have none of it. He said, oh, no. He said, if I had it all over to do again, I would have more faith. And at the end of his, of his days, uh, that was the thought that was, just, that was just burning in his heart. And I want you to think about that as I begin this message and we go into it, that I wonder that at the end of our days, that that's going to be the thought that we're going to have, if maybe we could borrow that thought. And, and I'm going to balance that out in just a moment. That, Lord, I, I wish I could have done more. There's a song in our hymn book that says, uh, I wish I had given him more by and by when I look on his face. Thorn shadowed face, beautiful face, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. Now every person in here that knows Jesus, if you're saved and you've been born again, God wants to do a work in you and through you. Now most people are interested in the work that God wants to do through them because of our carnality. We, we, want, we want to build something. We want to be great. We want to do something great for God. But God will never do a work through you before He does a work in you. And the work that He does in you is one of brokenness, one of dependence, one of humility. 
And once you get to that place, you're not concerned about being great. Did you know that the greatest, listen to this, that the greatest man in the Bible, that Jesus said that the greatest man was John the Baptist. And the Bible says in John chapter 10 that John did no miracle. Are you listening? John did no miracle. John got so discouraged when he was in prison that he sent some of his disciples to go seek Jesus. Are, are you the Messiah? And this is, this is the greatest man that ever lived. This is what the Lord Jesus said. He was so discouraged at the fruit of his ministry. And he was so successful that he was beheaded. If you had measured the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of his life, by all metrics today, he would have been a failure. Now, I didn't say that, but I did say if you would have measured it by the metrics today, he would have been a failure. His disciples had forsook him. Everything he had vested in did not appear to have been successful. But he was doing the Father's will, and as man, he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. And as man, the Father was accomplishing his will through him, and as the Father was accomplishing his will in him and through him, the kingdom of a God was established. Now, I've been talking to you, and I'm going to finish this today, on how to grow your faith and some of you say, this is, this is just, why do you keep talking about this? Because Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God wants to increase. He wants to grow your faith because in the growing of your faith, you get to know God better. And I want to encourage you to take uh, Hebrews 11 and just read it this week. Every day, it doesn't take long, maybe six or seven minutes if that long, depending on how fast you read and it's a list of names, of illustrations, of stories, and of what God has done through these lives. But have you ever considered the first three names in Hebrews chapter 11, and who they were and why God put them there? Now, there is a historical sense, but what do they teach us? And in those first three names, there are some clues as to the priorities of how faith is cultivated. And real quickly, I'm going to point these out as to cultivate a foundation so you kind of see where we're going with this. Notice in Hebrews 11.4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You remember that, don't you? In Genesis chapter 4, when Cain, who was a farmer, he brought... Things of the fruit of his hands he brought of the garden. Basically, it symbolized works. It symbolized what he could, could accomplish. It symbolized pride. And uh, Abel brought a lamb. He brought God's sacrifice, an innocent sacrifice. Now, I believe, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us this, but when God clothed Adam and Eve in skins... 
that that's when he explained the sacrificial system to them. And I don't have time to go into that. I could, but I don't have time to develop that. And this is why that Cain killed his brother Abel. Because God accepted Abel's sacrifice. Notice in verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. What was the witness? Well, again, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I believe God consumed it with fire. That's how he accepted the other sacrifices in the Old Testament. And I believe that that's how he was accepting the other sacrifices by Adam and Eve. And so God came in that area and he consumed the sacrifice that Abel had made, but he didn't consume the sacrifice that Cain. And Cain knew that he, his sacrifice had been rejected. And here's what the Bible says in Hebrews eleven four that this was a, a faith sacrifice. Now watch this. This speaks of worship. And this is, this is the first priority. I want to ask you a question. Was this anything that he did? No, this was something that God did. This was a symbol of salvation. This was a symbol of not just salvation, but of my relationship to God, of how I relate to God through the person of Jesus Christ. And by faith I do this. By faith I experience Him. The next person, you'll notice in verse 5, is Enoch. Enoch was the first man raptured. He uses the word translated here. By faith, Enoch was translated. means he was transfigured. He was transitioned, if you will, from earth to heaven that he should not see death and was not found. Isn't that interesting? It seems like they searched for him probably for days. But they couldn't find him because God took him. Or before his translation... Uh, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, the next verse is, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God by faith. Now, what did he do? I'm going to ask you a question. What did he do that he pleased God with? Now, you can search all over the Bible to find out something that Enoch built. He never built anything. I'm not saying he didn't build a home, but he didn't, he didn't build a ministry. He didn't have a big church. He didn't have a big college. You know what Enoch did? In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Now, the book of Jude says he did preach. He was a witness but he walked with God and he was not. That, he, that means he didn't die for God took him. So Abel, the priority here of faith is that Abel worship, it speaks to our worship. The second priority is our walk. And finally, in verse 7, we get to the third personality. We see somebody that finally built something. This is Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Now, what were the things not seen of yet? Well, primarily it was rain. It had never rained yet. There had never been thunderstorms. And God said there's coming a judgment. It was 120 years later, 
And he preached and he, he told these people it was coming and only eight people were saved. Noah, Mrs. Noah, his three sons and their wives. Eight people, his family. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. That's the inward motivation. <coughs> Excuse me. Prepare. Here it is. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Someone said that's the greatest thing he did. He, he, he convinced his family. He, he delivered his family. So here, here are the priorities. Our worship, walk, and then your work. And then your work. Now, that doesn't mean that that's all that Noah did. If you study in Genesis chapter 6, did you know that the Bible says in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked with God? In Genesis 6, it says Noah walked with God. It says that Noah was a man of integrity. Did you know that Noah worshipped and Noah walked with God? And Noah worked? And I think that the Holy Spirit of God put these priorities in here for us to see that, that this is how our worship, that our, our faith, that is, is to flow. Now, most of us, we're interested in our faith being evidenced in something big. I, God, I, I want you to evidence your faith in my family. Sometimes I... I hear people say things like, uh, well, my, I have four, four children, and they're all uh, in the ministry. What they mean by that, they're all in occupational ministry. As if, as, and that, that's a wonderful thing, but that's not the objective. And, then, and what happens is, all of a sudden, it puts an idol, and there needs to be some people going into ministry. But that puts an idol in people's lives that, well, well, if my boy is a plumber and he's worshiping God and he's walking with God and he's serving God in his church, but he's not in occupational ministry, that is a fail. That's not true. That's not true. And the, these priorities, the, these faith priorities, our, our work is to flow out of our heart. These are faith priorities. I want you to see this because this is going to be cultivated here. And I want you to understand, I didn't understand this until years later, and I don't understand why, but this is how that God has worked in my life. And I have a conviction about this. God has worked in my life one assignment at a time. Or that I never said... Not because I was humble, but because I was afraid. I'm going to be a great man one day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have these. I never did that. I just said, you know what? I, I think I, I can. I think I can have a clear conscience. I think I can have a time alone with the Lord. I can walk with God. I can serve God. And God saw these priorities, these faith priorities, because the Bible says of all three of these men, of Abel, of Enoch, of Noah, it was by faith, by faith, by faith. You better have these three things. 
Everybody wants to have the notoriety and have their picture on the the magazine of Christian magazine of, of here's Noah. But God wants you to have your, your worship and your walk and your work. And he will give you your assignments and he will show himself strong and you will experience him in, in deep and fresh and newer ways and you will get to know him and there will be a, a new blessing, a new joy, a new insight about God. Because un, uh, until we begin to live by faith in these ways and follow the assignments that he gives us, our, our, our legacy our legacy will be limited. Can I, can I tell you this? I was preaching in Virginia to a church up in, in Appomattox several weeks ago to some men. And I preached about how to have a legacy that lasts. And the big idea of the message as I went through Second Timothy of each chapter was this. Don't, don't worry about your legacy. I talked about my dad, but I used my dad kind of a, as an illustration, but it, it was a biblical message. My dad never thought about a legacy. In fact, if you ask my father, Dad, what, what's a legacy? He said, I don't know. Quit trying to have a legacy. Quit trying to be famous. Quit trying to be great. Worship by faith. Worship by faith. Walk. Walk with God. By faith, do the work that God has assigned to you. And be faithful. God had called Moses to do some things, and Moses got ahead of, of God. He was 40 years old, and, and so God put him in the desert. And it was a literal desert, but there's a metaphorical term idea there. He, he went into isolation. He became lonely. And I'm going to tell you how he felt. He felt like I missed it. I miss God's best. I miss God's plan. And when he was 80 years old, God came to him. And God said, through that burning bush, and God came to him, gave him a new assignment. And you know what Moses did? He said, yes. No, he didn't. He said, I, I can't do that. I stutter. I have a speech impediment. I can't do that very good. Who's, who's going to help me? And the first time God said, I'll be with you. I am. I'll be with you. The next time he said, I'll give you Aaron. Aaron will help you. But the whole point is this, is God, God came to him and he gave him his assignment. Now listen to me. And, and his, life was, his life was transformed. David was a young teenager, maybe 15 years old, maybe 14, maybe 16, who knows. But most people believe he was a teenager. His family didn't think he, much of him. He was the youngest member of the family. And God had an assignment for him. God had his hand on his life. And when you read anything about David, when you read anything about David before the work was the worship and the walk. God had an assignment for Mary, 
the mother of Jesus. She was a simple teenager in her home, just wanted to be a wife. But she responded in obedience. And she became the mother of our Lord. Had the highest privilege of her life. She was a godly woman. You read Luke chapter 1 and Luke 2 and some of these things about her. She was a godly woman. And she responded in faith and obedience and did what God told her to do. Wonder what assignment God is asking you to follow in your worship. Are you spending time with Him every day? Are you walking with Him? Why should God trust you with bigger things when you can't even read your Bible every day? And it's more than just reading the Bible in a technical sense. I mean, I mean, walking with Him. I'm telling you, little things are, are big to God. Why am I here today? I was faithful with little things, and He helped me. I'll show you that in a moment. He helped me. Quit focusing on the product. Quit focusing on the destination. Listen to what God tells you to do in the next step. If we don't understand, listen, if we don't understand the importance of faith and the important, listen, the importance of the moment, the importance of right now. Are you listening? The importance of right now, of this sermon of that time you had with the Lord yesterday, of this obedience, of this assignment. You don't know where it's going to take you. The people you meet, the things God tells you to do, you you do not understand what simple obediences mean. Uh, How do we grow our faith? Well, there's two principles on a daily basis. Number one, discover God's strength and character. You do that through a daily time with God. I'm not going to repeat this other than to say this, that the basis of your faith is in its source, not in seeking faith. Don't try to have faith. I'm trying to have faith. Don't try to have faith. Just seek God in His Word. When you have a big God, it's easy to rest on Him. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So rest in Him. And every day do that. Your faith will soar. It will grow. And then here's what I want to give you today. And then secondly, respond to what God asks you to do with obedience. Because faith always involves action. Faith is not a noun. It's a verb. It's responding to God's commands. It's living according to His principles it's, it's honoring His promises. And here's what I know. God will stretch you. He stretched everybody in the Bible. He's going to stretch you. But the good thing about God, a good thing, not the good thing, a good thing about God is when He stretches you, He gives you the desire and the ability to do what He asks you to do. Now, Here's a scripture I want you to see. This is a powerful verse in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Very important about the will of God. Look at this, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Paul wrote to the church of Philippi and said, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but 
now much more in my absence. Now watch this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I remember when I was in high school, one of my football coaches was talking to me and he said, see, here's his verse. It says you have to work for your salvation. And he took me to Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation. You have to work for your salvation. Well, that's not what that verse says. It says work out your salvation. It assumes the presence of something or someone. Now, let me put it this way because you can't divorce one verse from its context. You can't work out what hasn't been worked in. He's saying work out what God has already put in. Now look at the next verse. For it is God, here it is, which worketh in you. You see this? So here's what God is saying. God is already working in you, and I want you to work that out. If you're here this morning, you're saved, and you know Christ. He lives in you through the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And He wants you to work out your salvation. He wants you to. He has things He wants you to accomplish. And as you worship Him, as you walk with Him, are you listening? As you worship God, as you walk with God, He has a work for you. And you're supposed to work that out. Now, look at the rest of the verse. It is God which worketh in you both. There are two things He will do. To will and to do of His good pleasure. The word will means willingness. It means He will give you the desire. I love that. God does, doesn't give me the requirements. He gives me the, he gives me the willingness. And then the Bible says he, get, he gets both to will and to do. He not only gives me the willingness, the desire, but he gives me the ability. <clears throat> now, this is good news. God wants you to work some things out, but he doesn't leave you on, on your own. He gives you the desire and the ability to fulfill his good pleasure. Now, you can't get any better than that. When you came to Christ, He came in you. And as you spend time with Him and you walk with Him, the greater that desire is, and He begins to cultivate competencies and abilities in you that you know not of. Everybody in here has, has spiritual gifts. There's something that you can do and contribute to this local church that nobody can in a special way. Uh, Let me show it to you in a different way. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Now you know this, but look at it with fresh eyes. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're going to heaven not because you're good, but because God is good. It's not of works because you would boast about it. So I'm going to heaven not because of my work, but because of His work. Now look at verse 10. Because I am saved, I am, we are, look at this, we are his workmanship. You see this? I don't go to heaven by good works, but as a Christian, as as his child, I am his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, look at this, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. 
I'm able to do good works because he's working in me. Now, the word workmanship there in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, I'm going to spell it for you, is the word P-O-E-M-A, poema. We get the word poem from it. It means that you are God's poem. It means you, you are God's manuscript. You are God's handiwork. God is working in you. He is creating in you a, a personalized work that is unique. It, it's so personalized that, that nobody can do the work like you can. There are people that, that, that only you can reach for Christ. There are people that only you can impact for Christ. There's a work that only you can do in this church like no one else can do it. You are his workmanship. You are his poem. Now, you're not going to heaven by good works, but he saved you to work. And he's working in you, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And you've been saved unto good works. Now, obedience is the key to knowing what you're supposed to do. Now, I used the word assignment a while ago, so here's what God will ask you to do. He will give you an assignment, and the assignment always takes faith. It always stretches you. Well, I I don't think I can do that. I, I like to sing, but I don't like to stand in front of people. Well, he'll help you with that. Just take a step of faith. That, that involves a faith. I will obey the Lord with that. I, I'll, I'll do this, this choir thing, to be a blessing to people. Because I've been honoring Christ. I've been walking with Him, worshiping it. Now this is my work. You know what happens when you try to do the work of God and you don't worship and walk with God? It, it is a catastrophe. There's arrogance. It's a train wreck. God says, no, 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 no. Let's have the worship and the walk. Now let's get to work. Let's get to work. What is your work? What is your assignment? Obedience is the key to knowing God's will for your life. Most people think it's more knowledge. Well, if I knew what he wanted me to do, what ministry to go in, what school to go to, who to marry. No, you just, you just do what you're supposed to do. I met my wife, Paula, when I was doing the will of God for my life. I came to this church. I never heard of this church. This church became my assignment within the will of God. Every single, listen to me, every single church I've ever been in was an assignment that was handed to me within the will of God. And I'm going to make a statement, and, and it's not true for everybody, and I don't mean for it to come across that way. God knows my heart. I'm just illustrating that I have a conviction about this part. And, and for some people, it's the right thing to do. Let me preface and say that. But I've never, I've never filled out applications. I've never filled out seeking employment. You, you just do what you're supposed to do. Take your assignments. These ble- Listen, these blessings. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't been with that hardship. Those of you who have been in this church for a long time, you know there were some hardships. But the point, the point is, is it's not about knowledge. 
This is, this is the way walk you in in Isaiah 30, 21. Jesus said in John 7, 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine. Will do his will. Will do. There's a willingness to do his will. He shall know the doctrine. It's not you will know the doctrine and then you'll know his will. No, 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 no. You'll never know the will of God until you lose your own. you got to get to the place where, God, I don't care what the assignment is. You tell me what it is and I'll do it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. The word present means to fully yield. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Give, give your body. Just say, God, I give you myself. Everything I have, body, soul, heart, mind. From the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, I give it to you. I belong to you. And be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. That you may prove. The word prove means to know, to discover. That good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's not just a recipe for the will of God. That is the path. And some of us are never going to prove. We're not going to discover. We're not going to know the will of God until we do what the Bible says there. And the first part is... Is presenting your body. It means to come and say, God, I'll do that. God came to Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place. So here's, here's the call. Here's the assignment. Which he should after receive. Now I want you to know, after receive. For an inheritance. Did you know Abraham journeyed in the land, but he never had the reward till he went to heaven? Are you, are you content to do the work for somebody else? Are you content to be a pioneer? And he, listen, he obeyed. And he went out, and here's what I want you to see, not knowing whither... He went. Now, I want you to stop. Don't just read Hebrews 11 and say, well, Rick said to read it. I want you to read it. He obeyed, and he didn't know where he was going. Now, let's just stop. He goes home, and Sarah, I'm going to call her Sarah rather than Sarah. Sarah says, hey, honey, where you been? Oh, I've been out worshiping God. I've been out walking with God. Remember the first two priorities before the work? What did he tell you? Oh, he told me some things. How would you like to tell your wife? Oh, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. How long are we going to be gone? I don't know. Well, how much is it going to cost? I don't know. You think they had those conversations? You bet you did. And, and, and on two occasions, God came to Abraham and he encouraged him. And there were times, if you read his life, where his faith faltered. Oh, Abraham, the father of the faithful. I like Abraham because he's like me. And he just needed some encouragement. 
But here's a man, here's a great man that obeyed and did what he went out, not knowing whither he went. You're not ever going to get all the directions. Well, how are we going to pay for this? You're not, you're not going to know every time. God's not going to tell you. That's not faith. That's not If you know, it's not faith. When I, when I went to my church in Madison, Alabama, I didn't know how, they, how much they were going to pay me. I just had an assignment. I went to my church in Virginia. I didn't know they were over a million dollars in debt. I didn't know how much they were going to pay me. When I came to Huntsville, I didn't know how much they were going to pay me. I'm not adjusting my halo. I promise I'm not. But some of you are going to miss the best stuff in life because everything's got to be, it's your temperament, but it's your fear. Because you want to know where you're going. You say, oh, this is responsible living. Well, okay. All right. That's not faith. You don't tithe because you don't know it won't stretch out. There's a lot of things you don't do because you want to figure it out. Abraham, what what an example. The primary obstacle in our obedience is often not stubbornness and willfulness, but fear. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord. Not in the bank, not in the government, not in your job, not in your feelings. Trust in the Lord. And lean not unto thine own understanding. The word lean means to rest. It means put your confidence in. The Roman soldiers would use their spear to lean on. Almost like a shepherd would use his staff. They would lean on. He said, don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Quit trying to figure it out. And acknowledge him. The word acknowledge means to know him. You can look the word up. It means to know him personally. It means to walk with God. Before the work comes a worship, comes a walking. Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen. I had fainted unless I had seen to believe. The goodness of the Lord. I misquoted it. It doesn't say I had fainted unless I had seen to believe. It says I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes you have to believe to see. How about this one about Thomas? John chapter 20 and verse 29. Jesus said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Because you saw me, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You see that? There's a special blessing for people that don't have the full picture, but they trust anyway. My church in Madison, God was, God was speaking to me about going to Virginia. I didn't want to go. Part of me did, part of me didn't. Had a good ministry there. And the biggest reason I didn't want to go was because of the people. I love the people. I was leading singing. Kevin Thomas had gone on to college. And so the pastor had asked me to lead singing, which I'm not the best at, but I can do a little bit of it. And again, you just take your assignments. You do what your authority asks you to do. I said, okay, I'll do that. 
And at the time we were doing a little hymn, invitation song we did a lot. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my Savior say, wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Brother Tim's so jealous right now. I follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And we'd sing those verses I'd lead. And here I'm wrestling with the will of God. And I'm leading the congregation. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Remember at the third week, pastor asked me to come up in northern Virginia. And I'm up there leading that song. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one night and said, you're, you're leading these people. Why don't you go where I tell you to go? And it was during one of those nights. I said, okay, I'll go. I'll go. We were up there for about four and a half years. Pastor here had asked me to come here. He called me in August. I said, well, no. And then he called back in January. And we came here and it was a struggle. Went through the same thing. It was so, oh, Lord, please. I, I don't, don't do this. I, I don't want to do in the assignment. And if I, oh, okay. In James chapter 1, let me, let me bring this to a close here. In James chapter 1, notice in verse 22, the Bible says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a doer of the word, and not a hearer, he is like unto, or compared unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he is. What's the purpose of a mirror? To make adjustments. Man, I got a, this morning, me to be a lot of adjustments. Come to church. He said, man, our preacher's drunk this morning. Look at him. God, oh, look at his eyes. He's got all them boogers in his eyes. And all that. Look at him. He's drunk. Something happened to pass. No, he just woke up. Need to make some adjustments. That's the purpose of a mirror. And the synonym for the mirror is the Bible. Here's what God is saying. When you read the Bible, you're supposed to make adjustments. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't like the term devotions. Now, I know it means to be devoted. I understand that. But the purpose is to make adjustments. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of change. That's why it says doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We equate knowing and doing. Well, I heard a sermon. God changed me. No, you just heard the sermon. I I had my devotions. What did you do about it? See, that's deception. You've heard me say this so many times. We're educated beyond our obedience. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There's three ideas there. Number one is to look. Verse 25, he said, looketh. That means to come alongside. It means to pay close attention. The same word is used of Mary and Peter when they came into the tomb of Jesus and they looked there in the empty tomb. How do you think they looked? There was an intensity there. This is 
a focus, not a casual interaction? How, how do you look in your time alone with the Lord? Or how do you listen? Maybe not looking, but how do you listen to sermons? Sometimes people say, Rick, you have such a good memory. No, no, I just look and I listen. Maybe some people have better memories, but I contend you could have a better memory. I think some people are mentally lazy. You had to focus, write something down, listen, pay attention. It's remarkable what focus and intentionality do. And then linger. Verse 25, not being a forgetful here, continue with. means to stay in the same place. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to meditate. Jesus said, John 8, 31, if ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Indeed, there's an authenticity. Indeed, you're continuing. There's an abiding. Do you meditate in the word? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. The Old Testament word for meditate is to mutter. You say it over and over again. Just talk to yourself. And then the word labor, verse 25, the doer of the work, the perfect law of liberty. What is God telling you to do? And so much more that I I have to share with you, but I'm, I'm finished with this. Faith is developed by doing what God tells you to do. My question for you today is, is what is God telling you to do? What has God been speaking to you about that you're hesitating about? I mean, you, you say, I, I need to do that, but, but I, I, I'm just not sure. And here's a bigger issue. If he's not speaking then either you're not hearing or there's a bigger problem. That's why both of these areas of hearing the Word of God and responding, don't miss God's best because of your unbelief. What's God asking you to do? What assignment does He have for you? Do it and take take the next step. What's the next step in your worship? What is it? Because this is the will of God for your life. What's the next step in your worship? What's the next step in your walk with God? I, I love that, that metaphor, walking with God. I love that. Because this is the outgrowth of your worship. This is the daily walk. You know what, you know what abiding in Christ is? It's including God in on everything that you do. That's, that's what all it is. Lord, I don't feel good today. Would you help me? That sure, is, that sure is a beautiful mountain over there. Thank you for doing that. Lord, I, I sure am worried about my sister today. Would you please help her? Lord, help Rebecca today. Give her a good day. Help, help the pain levels not be bad. I pray for Dave today. I pray for his heart and for his grief, the loss of his brother, his father. Would you help him? Lord, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It's what abiding in Christ. You see, we're so spooky. But what happens is we're not on that level. I'm not talking about just maturity. That's how you mature. This is how you cultivate faith. 
What's, what's the next assignment in worshiping your walk with God? Stop being spooky about it. Just, just listen. Just listen. Turn the radio off. And just listen. And then maybe you can build something with integrity, with humility, with brokenness that's not tainted with wrong motives, with anger, where people trust you that you have their best interest because you love them. You have a good shepherd's heart. What's the next assignment? Finally, let me ask you this. Have you ever, have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you ever had a time in your life, like I did when I was a nine-year-old boy, where I came to God and said, God, I'm lost, and I need a Savior. Have mercy upon me. Maybe somebody's watching this. Maybe you don't even know me. You just stumbled across this. You need to be saved. Just ask Jesus to be your Savior. He will save you. Repent of your sin. That's why He died for us. Would you bow your heads with me if you would? Thank you for listening today.